Father, we give you praise and glory and honor and thanks. Father, we thank you for this word to us, this rhema word, this word for now. Lord, I thank you for the awesome things that you're doing and what you're going to do. And Father, we pray that you would continue the work that you've begun in us. And Lord, we pray this morning that you would open our spiritual eyes to see you with greater clarity, that you would open our ears to hear your small, still voice speaking to our hearts. God, that you would open our hearts to receive more, more of you, everything that you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you for joining us. Some people may say we're crazy for God. That's all right. I've been crazy for the world. How about you? It's time to be crazy for God. Thank you so much for joining us. At this time, I'd like to release the, the student ministry. We have a couple of props that we're going to have in place. How's everybody doing today? Awesome. All right. All right. Thank you, worship team. Great job. Man, I, I, I love this. I love the worship. And uh, this is Sir Fellow. He's from the children's ministry area. And I'm not sure what this guy's name is, but he's here with us too. Little fellow, yeah, yeah. But today I'm gonna to be talking about spiritual warfare. I'm gonna be talking about the armor of God that we have available to us. And so we're continuing in this series, The Sword. If you've missed any of this, I encourage you to go back and uh, check those out. We're gonna be going to Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 through 18, and 1 Peter chapter five, verses eight and nine. Now here in Ephesians, Paul has been writing uh, to the early church in Ephesus, the early Christians there, and he's giving them instruction on what to do. And he's telling them, uh, um, he's, he's teaching them about spiritual warfare. And uh, Ephesus is in modern day Turkey. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it exists anymore, but it, it, if you go back and look at an Old Testament map and you can compare it, you can kind of see where, where it would have been in Turkey. Let's go to Ephesians 6, uh, verse 10 through 18. And Paul is saying here, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in what? His mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. God has given us dominion, authority, and power in Christ. And he says, be strong, not in our flesh, not in our own strength, not in our intellect, but in his power. And so we sang about it this morning, about the power of God. There's power in the name of Jesus. All authority, he said in Matthew 28, has been given to Jesus. So all authority has been given to him. And so he's given us dominion, authority, and power. Uh, verse 11, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Say, turn to your neighbor and say, put on all the armor. Tell them again like you mean it. And tell them they're going to be able to stand against all the strategies of the devil. Okay. All right. You guys are awake this morning. That's good. So he says, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm, not weakly stand, but stand firm against all strategies of the devil. He doesn't say put on some of the armor. Oh, well, you know, I just don't feel like putting that on today. He says, put on all the armor. Uh, nor does he say we will only be able to stand against some of the strategies. He says we will be able to stand against all of the strategies of the devil. So when we put on all of God's armor, 
it enables us to stand strong, to stand firm against all the strategies. On our own, do you know that the devil has more power than us? He's mightier than we are. He's stronger than we are on our own. But the word says, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So with Jesus in us, we're standing stronger. I remember, um, and I've shared this story with you, and I think Pastor Christine shared it at, at uh, Bible study recently. But I had a dream. It was probably 25 years ago or so when, when we were living in our first little house. And uh, I remembered that in this dream, I walked down my driveway and I, I kind of turned to the left, and there was this lady that was approaching me, and she was cussing me, and she was coming against me, and I was fearful because I knew that she had more power than I did. Even though this was a lady, she, she was walking in some power, and the first thing that began to wash over me was fear. I began to think, oh, what am I going to do? And then I looked and we had these, these trees in our front yard that were probably about 20 feet tall. And I looked to my left, and all of a sudden, I saw these two angels that were as tall as these trees. And you know what happened? My whole attitude changed. I'm like, come on, boys. Let's go get them. All of a sudden, my attitude changed, and I began to, to approach her. I kind of looked to make sure these guys were following me, right? These big angels. But... but I began to come against her because I, what I knew that there was more power with me than there was with her. And so I went from being fearful to saying, come on, let, you, want, you want to fight? I've got the power of God moving with me now. You cannot touch me. You can't do anything to me. And I, I think back about a story about Elisha when, and I think it's found in 2 Kings. I, I don't remember where exactly. But anyway, his, Elisha's servant was with him. And, and uh, what was happening was this king was trying to attack Israel. And the Lord was speaking to Elisha. And Elisha would go and tell the, the Israeli king, hey, this is what your enemy's going to do. So you don't go, don't go this way. He was telling him about the strategies of the enemy. And so finally, the king figured out that, Eli, that, that Elisha was telling the king what was going on, the conversations that were happening in his bedroom. And he said, go get that guy. And so they come to get Elisha. And, this, and Elisha's servant wake up, wakes up and he sees this army coming. And uh, Elisha says, Lord, open his eyes. Let him see what's really going on. And he saw chariots and, and he saw the, the host of, of heaven there to protect him. And then the story goes on to, to say that Elisha prayed that, that the enemy would be blinded and he led them to uh, another city and they didn't kill them. They fed them and sent them on their way and they never bothered them again. But the point is, is that sometimes we need spiritual eyes to see what's going on around us. Because the enemy, there's a spiritual warfare, but also we've got the power of God living with us. We have angels, and we have even greater than angels. We have Jesus with us. Amen? So God's power is much stronger than the devil's. In Ephesians 12, I want to just read the first two words of this, this verse. It says, for we. For we. Who is Paul writing to here? He's writing to the early church, to believers. This is for us as well. So he, is, he says, for we, let's read on. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against rulers and authorities of the unseen world. That tells us where the battle is. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't manifestations in the physical. You see people that are being martyred and killed, having their heads cut off, all kinds of evil atrocities. So I'm not saying that evil 
doesn't never manifest itself physically, it does. But the, the problem is we're in a spiritual battle and we need to understand that. We can, through the power of Jesus, we can push back the darkness, lighting up the kingdom. The enemies are defeated. So we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against rulers and authority, authorities in the unseen world. There's a spiritual battle going on around us. And let me, let me quote this, some of these, these lyrics we, we sang today. God is fighting for us, pushing back the darkness. What does the light do? If you go into a dark cave and they turn out the lights and you, you uh, turn on a flashlight or light a candle, what happens? The darkness gets pushed back. That's what's happening spiritually. God is pushing back the darkness. The darkness can never overtake the light, but the light pushes back the darkness. Lighting up the kingdom that cannot be shaken. In the name of Jesus, enemies defeated, and we will shout it out, shout it out. And a few weeks ago, I talked about praise and worship, and I talked about some of the elements of that and how we, there are different expressions of worship. As we lift our hands, we're, we're saying, I'm in submission to you, Lord. What, that's an international sign of submission. Remember this little uh, thing that we did a, a few weeks ago? Come out with your What does that mean? I'm submitting. And so as we're worshiping God, we're submitting to him. We're saying, God, I submit my life to you. We bow, we kneel, we shout, we dance, we sing, we praise. Those are all expressions of worship. And, and so we shout it out. We clap. Why do we clap? You remember what I talked about? When we're at a game, a football game or something, and our team scores, what do we do? We clap and we shout. What are we saying? We're saying, in your face, take that. So when we sing and clap and shout, we're saying, in your face, Satan, we have victory. We can walk in the victory. So if you missed some of those sermons, go back and listen to those. Praise and worship is so powerful. And, and I've said this so many times, I can't even count the number of times I've said this, but when we're under spiritual attack, what's the thing that I've told you to do? Praise and worship. Begin to worship him because that oppression will leave. It will dissipate. And I don't understand it, but I know that, that when I've been under spiritual attack, that's the last thing I want to do. But as I begin to worship God and praise him, that thing lifts because the enemy cannot stay in the presence of people that are praising and worshiping God. So that's why it's important that we come and, and worship corporately together. It's why it's important for you to worship on your own from time to time. Let's look at verse 12. Let's look at the rest of this. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Why the battle? Why is there a battle? Satan was kicked out of heaven. He was the most beautiful. He was the praise and worship leader in heaven. And he wanted to be worshiped. And God said, no, there's one God and it's me. It's not you. And he kicked him out. And so what's the battle about? Satan cannot attack God. He doesn't have the power to do that. But he can attack God's prized possession, his people. What does James 1.18 say? Above all creation, we are as what? His prized possession. And so the enemy, John 10.10, Jesus said, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's doing that effectively. Do you know people that their lives are being just torn apart? Marriages are being ripped apart. And, but Jesus said, but I've come that you may have life in abundance. 
that you can walk in victory, that you can have the abundant life. So God has greater power than Satan, and in Jesus, we have victory and power. Maybe you've gone through a situation like this, or maybe you know someone that has gone through divorce, and maybe the ex-spouse has tried to get to the other spouse by hurting the children. Have you ever heard of stories like that? Where they'll, they'll use the children as pawns to try to hurt the other spouse. That's what Satan is trying to do to God. He's saying, all right, I'll hurt the people that you love. Your prized possession, I will tear them apart. That's, that's what Satan wants to do. Listen, this is not a game. This is serious business. This is life and death. There are people that are dying and going to hell. There are people that are caught up in things that, that Jesus came to free them from, but they don't know it. And so the enemy will trap us. And, uh, well, let me read on here. Um, let me read uh, 6.12 again. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Verse 13, the first word there is therefore. Therefore, what does that really mean? It means that we are in a spiritual battle. Therefore, in other words, for this reason, consequently, or what you need to do is, we're in a spiritual battle. Therefore, what you need to do is put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Armor is available to help us resist temptations and the attacks of the devil. But remember that we read in verse 11, we just read about the strategies. So is verse 11 different from verse 13? I think it is. Let's look at verse 11 again. In war, there is a strategy. I was watching something about the Civil War, and they were talking about the, the North and the South fighting. And, and so one of the, the armies, I don't remember which one, found out the strategy of the other army, and so they were able to, to circumvent what they wanted to do. So there's a strategy in, in battle. There's also the execution or the implementation of a strategy, right? Let's look at verse 11. Ephesians 6, 11 says, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Okay, so if the strategy is defeated, if you understand the, the enemy's strategy, then you can defeat or stop the execution or um, the implementation of that strategy, right? And so with the armor of God, we're able to understand and defeat the strategies. Stop it right there and right there at the beginning. We, we're able to understand the strategies and stop it right there. So he also tells us to put on the armor to have the power to resist the devil. So the, the um, armor of God does two things. It helps us to defeat the strategies and also resist the devil. Let's look at verse 13. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5. We're coming back to Ephesians. Uh, 1 Peter 5 verse 8. And Peter says, stay alert. Watch out. Be on guard. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil, who prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 
I just quoted James, uh, John 10, 10. The thief is what? Come to steal, kill, and destroy. Think about a lion. He roars. What does that do? It scares the other animals, right? He may be way over here and out of, out of range to attack, but he's roaring, trying to scare them, trying to instill fear in the other animals. The enemy does the same thing. He'll try to roar and scare us. And so we've talked about this many times, but Jesus is the hope of the world. But the local church is the mechanism that God uses to help us and build us and strengthen us. And if you envision that you've all seen those things on National Geographic where an animal gets away from the herd, boom, he's history. Once they get singled out, the same thing happens to us, guys. That's why the local church is so vital and important. So we can come together, so we can be encouraged, so that we can build those relationships. Hey, man, I'm struggling today. Can you pray for me? Can you come by? Can I talk to you? We're giving you the word of God. The word of God builds us up. And so the, the local church is, is vital to our health, our spiritual health and well-being. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Stand firm. Don't give in. Stand strong in your faith. Let me read all of this in verse 9. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. So we can stand firm in, the, in faith. Let's go back to Ephesians 6.13. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. That's what God has called us to do. I was talking with Jason, and, and if you notice, there's the main armor is in front of us because we're never supposed to turn and run and retreat. We're supposed to push back the darkness, and we can do that with the armor of God. So we need spiritual armor for a spiritual battle. Let's go to Ephesians 6.14, and next, Paul tells us what the armor is. He says, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. Let me ask you, are you standing your ground or are you backing up? Are you giving away ground? God has given you and me authority and dominion and power to stand. He didn't call us to run and retreat. He said, stand. And not only just stand and not allow the enemy to push us back, but forge forward. Are you giving away the blessings, the territory, the provision God has given to you? Are you, are you giving those away? Come on. If you are, stop it. Because that's not what he's called us to do. Are you allowing the enemy to draw you back into things that God has delivered you from? How many times have we, maybe we've done this, or, or we've seen other people that have been delivered from things. Maybe addictive behaviors or something like that, and then they fall back into it. And that's why... That's one of the main reasons the local church is so vital, to help us, to stand with us. So when, when we're filled up with the things of God, we're less apt to be drawn back into those fleshly, carnal things that God has delivered us from. So verse 14, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. If you're cowering down, if you're bowing down, if you're backing up, stop, stand. God is fighting for you, pushing back the darkness. 
So stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. Put on the belt of truth. What does the belt do? Now, it's not so popular today, uh, but it generally holds up your pants, right? If you're a man, primarily. Uh, I remember talking to this guy that was one of my neighbors, and he he uh, had a or he was a supervisor for a construction company, and he was telling me that it's hard to find people that can work because a lot of these guys they have their pants hanging down and they need to be picking up trash or whatever, and they're having to hold their pants up with one hand and and just work with one hand. He said, "Get a belt. You need two hands for this job." So the belt holds our kind of holds our pants together. Um, so stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. Who is truth? Jesus. Jesus said, what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So Jesus is the truth. What we're going to find here, and I'm kind of jumping ahead, is that the word of God, everything is held together with Jesus. The belt of truth holds it all together. So um, in John 14, 6, this is what Jesus tells Thomas. Jesus tells him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So as we place the belt of truth around our waist, it holds our pants up. It, it kind of holds everything together. Ephesians 6, 14, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. Okay, what does to be righteous mean? It, it means to be in right standing with God. How are we made righteous? Through Jesus. Okay, so he's the belt of truth. He's the body armor of righteousness. Are you, are you seeing the connection here? So it's through Jesus that we are brought into right standing with God. Let's look at verse 15. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. We can walk and live in peace. And I know that that's a challenge sometimes in this world, right? To have peace when you're going through your daily grind, when you're driving on I-45 to, to drive in peace, just to be peaceful and not run over somebody or, or block them from getting in, in line. Oh, come on. You know you do that too. Um, the good news is that Jesus brings and should assist us in living in peace. Peace can help us be prepared. That's what it says here. For the shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Shoes are helpful. Can you imagine walking across rocks or, or glass or something sharp? So, so shoes help us to be prepared to what? Move forward. Continue pressing forward. Um, consider that you have a meeting. And do you think the meeting is going to go better if you're at peace or if you're all stressed out? And we, uh, a few months back, we, some of you guys have known the fiasco that we've gone through in getting this house built. And uh, they messed up our first foundation, so we had to build another house and blah, blah, blah. And uh, so anyway, I went to a meeting and, and I was emotionally out of control. I was, I was loaded for bear and uh, had this meeting and I didn't do very well because I was not at peace. And I couldn't believe the way that this company was treating us. I thought it was, well, I still have, I still struggle with that. But that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother issue. But then there was another meeting. I walked in this house we're having built and the same people were there, the VPs and all these big shot guys. And I just happened to walk in and I could see it on their face. They're like, oh, really? 
how does this guy just happen to show up at the right time sometimes? Uh, but you know what? I was at peace. And the whole dynamic of that entire meeting was very, very different. The outcome was very different because I was standing firm on what I knew that I needed to do. And I, wa I wasn't out of control emotionally. And the whole dynamics of the meeting changed. And so when, when we have the peace of God, now I'm preaching to me, when we have the peace of God, it helps us. When we get all emotional and bent out of shape, man, there are, there are consequences usually for that. So in a, um, for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Verse 16, in addition to what? All of these, not some of them, but in addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Why would we need to hold up a shield of faith? Because it takes faith to believe, right? How many of you have ever had a personal encounter with Jesus? How many of you seen, have seen Jesus? Well, no, no. How many of you have seen Jesus? Let me rephrase that. I know of a few people that have, but most of us have not had a personal encounter where we've physically seen Jesus. So we're believing what? In faith, right? Um, so it's in faith that we can stop the fiery darts of the enemy. We don't necessarily see those in the physical because it's a, it's a spiritual battle, but we hold up the shield of faith Sometimes we can feel the effects of attack, right? So we can begin to praise and worship and proclaim and declare the things of God and saying, I'm standing in faith against these attacks. It takes faith to dispel and defeat the lies of the enemy. Oh, you lost your job? Yeah, it's all over now. You're going to lose your car, your wife, your home, your family, your children. Your life is over now, man. It's all over. You know what? You ought to just go ahead and stop and buy a fifth of whiskey. You know, I mean, it's, it's hopeless for you now. You might as well go buy some crack and smoke it. Well, maybe you ought to just kill yourself because it's all over now. No. Wait a minute. No. I'm not buying that lie. I'm not going to allow the enemy or someone else or even my own stupid self-talk to talk me out of the things of God. No, I'm going to stand firm on the word of God. My security is in God, not in a job, not in what somebody tells me, not even what I tell myself if it's contrary to the word of God. Remember Romans 12, 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so as we're transformed, when those voices begin to come against us, we say, no, if it doesn't line up with the word of God, get out of here. Shut up. I don't want to hear that anymore. I'm God's prized possession. I'm his masterpiece. I can do all things through Christ. And with Jesus in me, we can push back the darkness. There's victory in Jesus. And so my peace comes from God, not from alcohol, not from crack, not from anything else, because all that other stuff is temporal. My peace comes from God. So what are the fiery arrows that the enemy is shooting at you because more than likely he's shooting something at you are you holding up the shield of faith to deflect those things are you standing firm on the word of god 
In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Verse 17, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We need to take the word of God. Um, As a note to self, we need to remember that we're saved. We talk about it a lot here, that we're saved by grace through faith when we believe not of our works, right? Because we live in this performance-based society, but we're saved by grace through faith when we believe not of our works. And so what Paul is saying here is we need to wrap this truth around our mind. We're not saved by our performance. We're saved by our grace. Where's the battle most of the time? It's up here in our head. Right? And so that's why Romans 12, 2 is so important. Be transformed by the renewing of our mind, coming into alignment with God's word and what he says about us. Be con- being continuously aware that God has saved us. God has chosen to save us because he loves us. Tell, turn to your neighbor and say, God has saved you. Tell him, God has saved me too. Absolutely. So put on... Salvation is your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So we need to use the word. We need to use the sword of the spirit. We need to read. We need to listen. We need to learn. We need to apply. We need to live out God's word, not in a legalistic, ritualistic way, but so that we can stand firm. It's important that we, that we're, that we have the word of God within us. The sword is the only offensive weapon mentioned here. The rest of these are defensive, but the sword is the offensive weapon that we have available to us. Are you using it? It's the word of God. After Jesus had been uh, uh, fasting for 40 days, he was tempted in the wilderness by Satan. How did he respond? Did he pull out a dagger and stab Satan? What did he do? He used the word of God. He didn't call down angels from heaven. He didn't do anything like that. Uh, Satan said, well, you know, if you're God, why don't you turn these stones into bread? What did Jesus reply? He said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds or comes forth from the mouth of God. And so every time Satan would come against him, he used the word of God. He pulled out the sword, the word of God, and used that as his, his defense. And so he, he, he countered Satan by quoting the word of God. Our primary defense weapon is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So that's why we have Bible study on Wednesday, so we can learn the word. And many of you are faithful in coming. That's why we're teaching you the word every Sunday. You're getting scripture. That's why we're singing the word of God. That's why we're teaching our children about the word of God, because it's imperative that we have the word of God. It is our armor. It is the the sword that, that helps us proceed forward. Let's look at what Paul says to close out this part of the letter in Ephesians 6.18. Okay, he's been talking about spiritual armor. He's been talking about spiritual battle. He's been talking about what we can do. And then he says, finally, he says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. He says, pray in the spirit at all times on every, and on every occasion. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit a lot. I believe that God desires all of us to have a prayer language. And I know some of you do. I know some of you don't. Jude 20 says, when we pray in the Spirit, it builds us up. 
Why would we not want to be built up? So if you don't have a prayer language, I would encourage you to be praying. Say, God, I want a prayer language. I want that. And if, if, you, if, if you're confused on what speaking in tongues is and a prayer language and prophecy, I taught a series in 2015. You can go back and, and uh, watch or listen to June 28th and July 5th. I taught on this very topic, so I'm not going to take the time to go through that again. June uh, 28th and July 5th, I taught about a prayer language and what, what that is. But let, and this is part of the scripture that I used here in 1 Corinthians. Paul is teaching the early church in Corinth about praying in the spirit. And he says in verse 14, uh, I mean in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, verse 14, he says, for if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. And what happens when we pray in the spirit, it's like our mind is, is, is disengaged. Our spirit man is communing with God's spirit. So he says again in, four, in verse 14, for I, if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. Okay, let's look at verse 15. Well then, what shall I do? In other words, if I don't understand what I'm praying, well, you know, what do I do? And he goes on to say, I will pray in the spirit and I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the spirit and I'll, I will also sing in words I understand. Clearly, there's a differentiation there between those. Praying in the Spirit and praying with words I understand. Lord God, I pray that you would fill us with a greater measure of your love and the power of your Holy Spirit continue just to indwell within us and fill us to overflowing. I'm praying with words I understand. Now, that can be led by the, by the, uh, by the Holy Spirit. But what's happening is I'm praying with understanding I'm processing those words. My mind is thinking about them, and it's telling my mouth what to say, all of those kinds of things. And so when I'm praying in the Spirit, my, it's like my brain is disengaged, and my spirit, man, is communing directly with God. I'm not having to process all that stuff. And we were at a church one time, and there was this lady that was singing in the Spirit. It was heavenly. It was angelic. It was beautiful. And she was just singing in the Spirit. So we can pray in the Spirit, and we pray with understanding. We can sing in the Spirit, and we can sing with understanding. If Kayla began to, to sing in the Spirit, we wouldn't really know what she was singing. We wouldn't be able to sing along. We, we could sing in the Spirit too, right? But we wouldn't understand what was really being sung because it's our, our spirit, man, that is communing with God. And so what Paul says here in verse 18, he says, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says, pray consistently, pray always, pray all the time. So we can be in prayer. You can be praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit doesn't have to be praying out loud. I want to pray in the Spirit right now. Or I can pray in understanding. But listen, the, the point is that we need to pray. And that's what Paul is saying. Put on all the armor of God so you can stand against all the strategies of the devil so you don't fall into the temptations and the traps that he sets before you. And then pray in the Spirit all the time, a lot, as much as you can. Ephesians 6.18, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Stay alert and be persistent. We're in a battle. There are people around us that are trapped in the battle. There are people around us that are caught up in all kinds of things. There are people all around us that are looking for the love of God and not finding it in what they're doing in the, in the bottle, in, 
in the, in, in the drugs or whatever. And so we need to stay aware and realize that God is fighting for us, pushing back the darkness, lighting up the kingdom so that the enemies are defeated and we will shout it out. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here this morning and God is speaking to your heart, maybe you had a relationship with him at one point in time and you walked away, or maybe you've never had a relationship with him. We can take care of that today. If that's you, would you slip up your hand? I want to pray with you. Anybody here? Maybe you want to rededicate your life to the Lord. Awesome. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you for that. I'd like for you too to just pray this prayer. Repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today. I receive your grace, your forgiveness, and your mercy. And I receive the newness of life. And I leave all that stuff at the cross. And I walk in the freedom that Jesus came to give me. And I thank you for this new day. I thank you for this new beginning. I thank you for this new life. And I receive everything that you have for me today. In Jesus' name. And I want to pray for you two ladies. I want to pray a prayer for you. Lord God, I pray that you would fill them with the fire and the power of your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that they would hear your small, still voice speaking to their hearts in a way that they've never experienced you before, God, and that you would continue this work that you've begun in them to restore and to bring health and healing and wholeness, whatever it is they need, God. I pray that you would remove the things that would hinder them. Father, I pray that you would show them how deep, how wide, how far and how high your love is for them, that you love them, and that their, their relationship with you is not based on their past. It's, it's based on their future, on what they've decided to do right now, the, and allowing you to do a work in their hearts and in their lives, God. And Father, I pray that you would continue to speak to them. Lord, I, I'm excited to see what you're going to do in their lives that you're gonna take them someplace, that they're not gonna be going backwards, they're gonna be moving forward by the power of God. And so, Father, I pray that you give them a prayer language. I pray that you would speak to them like never before, that they would experience this intimate dynamic that we've been talking about that's, that's so important, this intimate relationship with you, that they would experience that in, in a super powerful way. And so, Lord God, we pray these things by the authority of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We're gonna take a little more time, and uh, I want you just to ask the Lord what else he would say to you this morning. Listen, when we go out from this place, we're not leaving his presence. We're taking him with us. We're pushing back the darkness. We're proclaiming victory and healing in Jesus' name. And we're going to receive everything that he has for us today. And then we're going to take that hope to the world around us. Come on. There are people that need the hope of Christ. And they may be looking to you because they know, oh, so-and-so is a Christian. 
Maybe they'll talk to me one day about their faith. Maybe they'll pray with me. Maybe we'll be on our knees praying for them before we get to work and have an encounter with them, whatever that looks like. So listen, let's see, let's see, and let's seize every opportunity that God is, is opening up for us. Listen, we're talking about people's lives are at stake here, sometimes physically, sometimes spiritually, but there are lives that are hanging in the balance. And when we have the heart of God, we understand that he loves them, that he wants to reach in and help them and save them. So let's be the hands and feet of Jesus as we go out. I want to remind you that we have the membership class tonight. If you please come at five o'clock, please come. There's no, never any pressure to join. Uh, We'll have a meal for you, but we'd love for you to be here. Listen, you need to find a Bible-based, Christ-centered, worship-driven church. If you don't have one, and if you don't, I know of a great one. It's right here. All right, you're dismissed. Go out and live it.